When a terrifying urban legend collides with a real-life true crime, we're left to ask the question, what's worse, the fantasy or the reality? And then we travel to a high school in Arkansas, which is teaching the three R's, reading, writing, and reality-bending paranormal activity, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are still here after yesterday's really bizarre episode. What a way this season 19. I have a feeling it's going to be very, very weird. But someone who loves the world of the weird walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for Andrew Bentley. Woo! Yeah, come on in, dude. Andrew Bentley's running in doing cartwheels. He's that excited to be in Dead Rabbit Command. Andrew, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you guys can't do cartwheels, I can't. That's okay, too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Andrew, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to glide all the way out to Walland, Tennessee. In the town of Walland, Tennessee, this is this old urban legend. In the town of Walland, back in the 1950s, there was a young man named Tom. Now, by all accounts, he was a playboy. He was one of those guys that could charm the pants off of any woman before they were even wearing pants. This is the 1950s. He can charm the panties off of any girl. And he did, right? He was sleeping around town, sleeping with all these beautiful girls. And they didn't mind. Right? I mean, they probably would have wanted him to stick around a little bit longer. That was just who Tom was. Tom was a tomcat. He was always out tomcatting around. He was just a charmer. But when you can have everything, when it comes that easy to you, you want what you can't have. And that's when Tom laid eyes upon Eleanor. Now, Eleanor was a beautiful woman. It was actually everything he wanted in a woman. Which was just a beautiful woman. This guy didn't sound too deep. He falls in love with Eleanor, but Eleanor's married. And that actually kind of turns him on even more. He's like, dude, you know, I've banged all these single chicks, but a married woman. Now that, that would definitely put me over as a horrible person. So he starts to set his eyes on Eleanor and he starts to slowly seduce her. And although she loves her husband, her love for her husband is no match for Tom's wily ways. He's an expert in seducing women. Now, He knows that she's married. He might have made a different choice if he knew that Eleanor's husband, his job profession was a hunter. His job every morning is like, honey, I'm going to leave. He goes out in the woods and he would murder things and skin them and come back with a big old deer head and be like, here you go. And like, just give it to people. Just give deer heads to people. And then he'd sell the meat and he'd wear the skin. Actually, I don't know if he was a furry. He's dressing him as a deer. He's like, Eleanor, why don't you love me? Can't we clop together? He'd sell the skin. He'd sell the meat. He'd sell the antlers, whatever. But we don't know if Tom actually knew that Eleanor's husband was a hunter. I imagine if he did, he would just turn him on even more. Because this guy loves rolling the dice. So he finally does seduce Eleanor. They start sleeping together. And it actually does get him off that she's married. 
She belongs to another man, and he has possession of her now. And even when she's not with him, he has possession of her heart. And that is the way things go. But here's the thing. Eleanor's husband starts to get... So one night, the expert hunter who tracks things and kills him for a living tracks down Eleanor and Tom. And they're actually at a local lover's lane in Walland. The hunter is walking through the bushes. He ambushes them. He gets to the car, and sure enough, he sees Tom and Eleanor. What is that? Inflanco, Domenco, or something like that? Uh, They're having sex. And he starts beating up Tom and drags him out of the car. Now, at this point, Tom realizes the game is up, and he starts to beg and plead with the husband. I didn't know she was married. I didn't know she was married, but he knows that's not true. And, and really, the husband doesn't care at that point. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't know she was married? Well, then I'll let bygones be bygones. He drags out Tom, and he makes Eleanor watch. She has no choice. She can't really leave this scenario. If she does, you know, same thing's going to happen to her. The husband says, Eleanor, you got to watch this. And he takes this big hunting knife, this knife that he used to skin animals out on the middle of the woods. Now they're in the middle of the woods of this lover's lane. And with this knife, he slowly, because you want to you want this to be over quickly, he slowly skins Tom alive. Oh, no! No, not that piece of skin. That's my favorite piece of skin. Oh, okay, now that that's gone, but not more of my skin. No! And he takes off all of Tom's skin. And Eleanor's forced to watch as he brutally mutilates her lover. Now, there's different versions of the story. One is a slightly realistic version where he skins him and then Tom is just this, like, muscular dude all covered in blood. Not like he got buffed because of it. He's like, oh, the skin was holding me back. My true form. You know, like his muscle tissue. All he is is bloody muscle tissue. And he's still like, no, like he doesn't have eyelids or any anything anymore. He's like, no lips and stuff like that. He's like, ah, oh, technically that wasn't skin. You should have left those on. He's just this muscular or this man of... He's just exposed muscle and blood and nerve endings, and he's squirreling around on the dirt. And then there's like a pile of skin, right? Then there's a less believable version. I mean, I'm sure that can happen. There's a less believable version where this guy is such an expert skinner that he's able to remove the skin as one piece. So he actually, basically, like, he unzips Tom. And pull, can you do this? I know you can do this with rabbits. You can pull their skin off and then you pull it off like a glove. So you're actually holding the rabbit skin. I don't think you can do that with human skin. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go to like best gore or rotten or whatever to find out. But there's one version where there's just a bunch of pieces of <laughs> you're slowly throwing up in the corner. You're like, why did I eat a roast beef sandwich today and listen to Dead Rabbit Radio? There's either a pile of little slices of human skin sitting in the dirt, or there's an entire just like suit of human skin because the husband goes and just perfectly takes it off and he's like holding up the skin and he throws it over a branch. It's like a Tom suit just hanging there. And then we still get the muscle bound. Why do I keep saying why I keep imagining it was Arnold Schwarzenegger? The, the exposed muscle bloody guy rolling around in the dirt. One of the two. I think it's more likely that he'd have to be slowly cutting the skin off and taking little strips. And he's like, I'm going to have bacon when I get home. All this always makes me so hungry. But anyways, either way, he makes Eleanor watch this. 
And then he takes Eleanor and he goes to the local police station and turns himself in and says, yeah, I skinned Tom alive. His, I'm assuming he's still alive. He's still up there. <laughs> I did expose him to the elements with no skin. He's been writhing around in the dirt for the last hour. He's still up there, though. When the officers went up there, he was gone. He was gone. His skin was still there, hanging from a branch or just a pile of little pieces of the skin. But he wasn't. His, his body was gone. And so here's the urban legend. It's the story of skinned Tom. In the town of Wallen, Tennessee, they tell their kids, watch out for skinned Tom. He hides out in the lover's lanes. He hides out in the woods where teenagers will park their car late at night and make out, make whoopee. And that's okay, right? Skin Skin Tom isn't totally opposed to that. If you're having consensual sex with another single person, (laughs) you're doing that. There's just a skinless man sitting in the bushes nodding approvingly. But... If you go out to Lover's Lane and you're with another man's girl or another girl's man, Skin Tom will come out of the bushes with no skin. He still has no skin, but he has the same hunting knife that the man used to tear it off. And with that knife, he'll start attacking your car. Be like, ah, be all bloody and stuff. And I get actually, actually, <laughs> Now that I think about it, there's no reports of him, like, attacking a human or skinning another person. So basically, the moral of the story isn't, don't cheat. The moral of the story is, if you're going to cheat on someone, roll keep your windows rolled up so a bloody man can't get in your car. And you'll probably need to go to the car wash later, because there'll be blood stuff all over your car. Bloody, and maybe some scratches on it. You're like, dude, watch the paint job. All I'm doing is having sex with this other man's girlfriend. That's the story of Skinned Tom, this urban legend of this guy. It's a really interesting urban legend because we talk about this a lot on the show. Urban legends in a lot of these stories, they they try to tell us something. Whenever you hear stories about like monsters in the water, watch out because out in the water, there's a witch. She'll drown you. It's a story to keep kids from mucking around in the water, for going too deep in the water. Stories about spirits in the woods that will whisk away young men. Basically, the moral is don't, don't muck about in the woods. After it gets dark, don't go through the woods. You're going to get lost. And the best way to tell that's just like the boogeyman. You tell kids, make sure you go to bed before 7 p.m. or the boogeyman's going to get you. You can say that or you can say go to bed before 7. And they'll be like, I'm not going to listen to you. But they will listen to the boogeyman. Fear is a great motivator. This, this though, isn't don't go up to lover's lane. This isn't trying to caution teens from going out into the middle of nowhere and having sex. The people of Wallen, Tennessee are fine with that. They're saying, don't cheat. So it's really, really interesting variation on that. The moral is don't cheat, which is a good moral, but you think skinned Tom would just attack everyone, and then you'd have probably less people going up to Lover's Lane. I wonder if those are still even a thing, right? I wonder if kids are still driving their cars up into the bushes and making out. Like, nowadays, you probably just get a hotel room, right? Or you just go over to someone's house. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I've never walked up to a teenager and go, how do you guys have sex these days? Lover's Lane's, I don't know if it's still a thing. But apparently, if you are doing that, you have to watch out. Now, I, I want I wanted to cover that story for two reasons. One, because I love urban legends. Actually, three reasons. One, I love urban legends. Two, this one has a song associated with it. It's always nice. Here's Skinned Tom's song. Have you seen the ghost of... <laughs> it wasn't actually sheet music for this. I don't know what the tune is, but... Have you seen the ghost of Skinned Tom? Bloody red bones with the skin all gone. 
Ooh, 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 ooh. Wouldn't it be chilly with no skin on? Wouldn't it be chilly with no skin on? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give it a B for effort. I do find it pretty weird that a man who was brutally murdered, skinned alive, and left for dead, and then when the authorities came, his body was gone, so the idea that he just ran off into the forest and he's there to this day. The worst thing you can think of, <laughs> it's cold. That's the worst thing you can think of, not the exposed nerve endings, not the fact that every night he has to fight coyotes and wolves from eating his tendons. No. It's that it's a little chilly. Did you know that? If you have no skin, you might get cold. The second reason, or third reason I wanted to cover this is that when I was reading this, I was on the edge of my seat. I was at Lover's Lane at the time. I was like, oh no, hope skin Tom doesn't come for me. I was reading this and the whole time I was thinking of a true crime story. Andrew, let's jump off another peak here. We're taking the hair hang glider all the way out to New Hampshire. Specifically, we're headed to the New Hampshire, Massachusetts border. This happened back in September of 2020. The case just really came to a close uh, about two months ago, but very creepy story. And really, it shows that the urban legends, like when we come up with these stories, there may be some truth to it. I don't think a man was actually skinned alive, but there probably was a guy named Tom who's sleeping around with a bunch of women and probably ran afoul of somebody. But there's no historical documentation there was actually this gruesome murder. It, it, I said it took place in the 1950s. The story is always decades ago. So as time goes on, it'll probably take place in the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. But Back in September 2020, we know this happened for a fact. There was a guy named Armando Barron. He was 30 years old, and he found out his wife, Brittany Barron, 31. So these people are, are fairly young, right? 30, 31. Armando Barron found out that his wife, Brittany Barron, was texting another man named Jonathan Amaralt, a 25-year-old kid, 25 years old. And Armando got super jealous. There was uh, There was no proof that I could see that Brittany and Jonathan were actually sleeping together, but it was very flirtatious texting. Or maybe not. Again, like, we don't have a ton of information on what the texts were, but it doesn't matter. It could have been like, hey, can I get directions to the nearest Chipotle? Or it could have been very flirtatious. Armando did not want his wife talking to anyone. So he actually got her phone and sent these texts to Jonathan, luring him out to this area, the New Hampshire-Massachusetts border. And... He took Brittany with him, so you have Armando and Brittany are driving out there, and they meet Jonathan. He pulls up, and Armando ambushes him and beats him up and then shoots him to death in uh, in Jonathan's own car. So Jonathan is sitting now in his passenger seat dead. He forces his wife, Brittany, to then drive Jonathan's car, and Armando goes, I'm going to follow you the whole way. We're going to drive out to this remote campsite. So Brittany is now driving a car, and this story gets super dark, right? Like the skin tom thing. It's kind of lighthearted. We don't even know if it's true, but this is Brittany's driving the car with this guy, this dead body next to her, right? So at, at the very least, a friend of hers, someone she was casually texting, and who knows? There could have been more. But, anyways, she's driving the car. This dead body, this freshly killed body, is in the passenger seat. They get to the campsite. And Armando makes Brittany chop off Jonathan's head. And then he says, you need to dispose of the body. It's your job to dispose of the body. And he gets in his car and drives away. So Brittany is left in the middle of nowhere. She's like 220 miles away from their home at this remote campsite. She has now decapitated her friend, 
she has to dispose of the body. And, and the way that we know about this is um, some fish and game officers were walking around the camping area. She stayed up there for a couple of days. She took his car and like covered it up with a tarp. But I mean, that's her, her only ride, right? There's a bunch of blood everywhere. There's still a body in it. She's not very good at disposing of bodies. You know, traditionally you bury them, but she's up at this campsite and the car is covered up in this tarp and fish and game officers are like talking to her and they're, you know, making sure like she has all of her paperwork to be camping and all the permits, stuff like that. And they see this big, they see this car sized tarp and they go and they look in it and they find this decapitated young man. Now, she actually says that that was the story that she said, that I was forced to decapitate him. And she was, she got it. She's already, she pled guilty to like uh, disposal of a corpse or it's like there's a certain crime where you, abuse of a corpse, where you don't bury it properly, where you kind of mutilate it afterwards. She's pled guilty to that. And then she testified against Armando. She's already out on parole. She's already done. But Armando was just found guilty in May of 2022 and he faces life in prison without parole. His defense is she was an active part of the crime. But again, I mean, even if her story isn't 100% accurate, he's the one who pulled the trigger. So she might have probably have... I don't know, actually, because I only know the, her side of the story. But creepy. Again, it, when I was reading this urban legend, there's no song for the Armando story. It's not like he saw some Texan, he got really mad, so he got a big knife and made another man sad. Like, there's no song to that really um it's true life thing when i was reading the skin tom thing i was like dude this stuff happens in real life like just like she was for uh, eleanor was forced to watch tom get skinned alive she was forced to watch this man get shot her friend get shot and then she was forced to chop the dude's head off absolutely crazy story even those urban legends that seem horrific that seem unbelievable they're believable i mean Pulling, some, pulling someone's skin off like a glove. Again, I don't know how believable that is, but you have these love triangles that turn... I honestly think the Armando story is more brutal, right? Because he made her chop his head off. Like, what a brutal way to end that relationship, right? You're chopping off your own friend's head. Terrifying. These urban legends can be creepy, but their real-life counterparts are just horrifying. The real life counterpart happened and it happened just a couple of years ago. So absolutely terrifying. Andrew, let's go ahead and call in this carpenter copter. I wonder if you'll get any stories about hauntings in that campsite. Cause this was a fairly big news story because it was so grim. So I wonder if you'll ever hear stories about like a headless corpse at that campsite. At, who knows? Who knows? I'm not going to find out. That sounds absolutely terrifying. That story is really creepy. Andrew, go ahead and call in that carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this campsite. We are headed all the way out to Jonesboro, Arkansas. In Jonesboro, Arkansas, there's a high school called Nettleton High School. And specifically, we're not necessarily going to be walking around the whole school. All of the events we're going to be talking about are around one building. Raider Jim. Raider Jim. <laughs> that sounds actually like a G.I. Joe figure. It's a gym, like a gymnasium. Raider Jim. Raider Gymnasium. It was built in the 1970s, and this gym already has a ton of stories around it. And again, this is one of those stories where we're going to start off looking at the legend, and then we're going to look at some 
concrete examples. People have come forward and kind of put their reputation on the line to talk about this. But let's look at the legend. This is how I came across it was on this website, one of my favorite websites, the shadowlands.net. The story goes like this. On October 30th, in an unspecified year, so sometime between the 1970s and shadowlands.net, it really is from 2015, I think is when they stopped updating it. So 1970s to 2015, we have the story. The day before Halloween, there was a bunch of members of the band in Raider Gym. Now, this was there was no other students there at this time. This was early in the morning. The other person in the vicinity was the janitor, who currently wasn't in the gym. And this gymnasium, it has like the basketball courts and the bleachers, and then it has a bunch of rooms built into it. I actually really went in depth on this one. I watched a bunch of videos about this place. We'll get into that in a second. But they have like upstairs rooms and rooms underneath the bleachers, and they have like a weight room and the boys and girls locker rooms and offices and all that stuff. And one of these rooms is where band members put their equipment. And on this particular morning, you had these band members, they were putting their equipment away. And while they are in their room underneath the bleachers putting this equipment away, they hear a blood-curdling scream come from the gymnasium. Now, they're literally a door away. This is They go underneath the bleachers, they go into this room, they're putting their stuff away, so maybe like 20, 30 feet away, they hear this horrifying scream. So they all run out to see what it is. It's one of those screams that you know someone's in trouble. They all run out. The gymnasium is empty. Now, they realize it's the day before Halloween. Someone's probably pulling a prank. Ha ha, real funny, guys. They go back in because they're not done putting their gear away. They go back into the band room. They hear the screaming again. But this time, it's not just a nondescript screaming. It's clearly someone screaming out, Stop! Stop it! Please stop it! Like, it's actually begging someone or something to stop assaulting them. They run back out into the gymnasium. It's completely empty. There's another story of this gymnasium. Now we're late at night. That first one was early in the morning. That's an interesting thing about this phenomenon. You'll, As we go deeper into it, you'll see time does not matter here. Late at night, these band members were at school. They were having some sort of band party. I know, I know, probably sounds super exciting. Whoa, dude, did you bring your trumpet? Let's sit around and play on the tuba and stuff. I can't imagine anything more boring than a high school band party. But anyways, whoa, dude, we had so much fun. We cleaned our reeds and everything. Band party. They're having a band party at the school. And a couple of the band members said, hey, let's go to the gym. Let's go hang out in the gym. And a couple of the band members came into the gym to kind of hang out, to goof off. And then they split up into two groups. So you had a, a specific group of these band party members go into the cheerleading room. Again, there's a lot of little rooms in this gymnasium. There was a room where the cheerleaders hung out or undressed or something like that. They would go into there. And when they walked in, it was freezing cold in that room. Absolutely bone freezing cold it's late at night it's a school who knows if the ac has been working who knows right totally explainable this is an interesting part of the phenomenon they're in these rooms all the time <laughs> i mean the band members aren't in the cheerleading room all the time right nerds get out of here but rooms are rooms 
Rooms are laid out to be functional. They walk into the cheerleading room. It's pitch black. It's freezing cold. It's pitch black. And they couldn't find the light switch. Now, we know where a light switch is on in a room. It's always on the wall to your right or to your left when you first walk in. It's right by the door. Now, there are some rooms, yes, that have it on the opposing wall in some place. But all these other rooms have a very easy-to-find light switch. The light switch, for all intents and purposes, did not exist in this room. You go, Jason, again, it's super cold. Maybe they couldn't find the light switch because it's dark. Okay, sure, sure enough. But we've also uncovered stuff. We talk about on this podcast, the black bedroom phenomenon of people going into rooms that aren't just dark, they're nothingness. Now, I'm not saying this cheerleading room is part of the black bedroom phenomenon. But again, we have this thing where something that should be there, that, that they know where it's at in every other room in this gymnasium, they can't find the switch. And while they are in there, they hear screaming, coming from the gym. And this screaming isn't just a scream. This is a scream of such intense violence and in such intense pain. That, that, that's how they describe it. They don't say, oh, it just sounded like someone screamed. They go, this was, a vi- this was the scream of someone who was violently being murdered. They rush out into the gym and they don't see the source of the screaming. When they run out into the gym, what they see is leaves falling from the ceiling. They said it was as if you were standing underneath a tree on an autumn day. But these leaves were materializing out of nowhere, falling onto the gymnasium floor. That, that's a really creepy visual, right? That's a really, really creepy visual when you have stuff coming out of nowhere like that. In Ghostly Phenomenon, it does track, and part of the lore, that ghost coins, people will report coins falling. We've covered that kind of just in passing on the show. It's a pretty popular phenomenon. It's not super common, but it's also not super rare. The difference is, is that a coin is an inanimate object, and the, the idea is, is that maybe the ghost had taken the coin from somewhere else, or maybe it was materializing from somewhere else. A leaf is a living thing, or a byproduct of a living thing. Where were these leaves coming from? Why were they falling here? It's very creepy imagery, right? You can discount the freezing cold room. You can discount them not finding the light. I do think it was part of the paranormal phenomenon. The leaves, though, are something that... I can't recall something like this in a previous episode, right? We've had ghost coins, but a byproduct of a living thing appearing. I can't say that I've never heard of it before, but it's this is definitely a rare phenomenon. And what's really interesting, so that right there, I just found absolutely fascinating. I would have talked about that stuff anyways, right? I find that a very interesting phenomenon. But again, I kept digging into this and I found out, I got to give a shout out to Nettleton Television. Apparently this is a official school, like I think it's like a student run television or YouTube channel, they do programming, right? I think they, I think it's like an AV club type of thing, but very much more professional than what we had when I was in high school. You know, you have school newspapers and you have school yearbooks. That's what I think an Edelton television is. I probably could have done some more research on that, but I actually reached out to them, right? I saw that they had put a trailer up about the ghost of Raider Jim. They put this trailer up and they said, yeah, we're Here's the trailer. We're going to have a documentary coming out soon. And that trailer was posted in 2013. And I reached out to their Facebook page. 
And Nettleton Television responded. They said, yeah, not only here's the documentary, it's, it's about 60 minutes long. They said, here's a follow-up. We did a follow-up years later. It is one thing to talk about ghost stories online. It is one thing to read the stuff anonymously where people are saying, I saw these ghosts. These two short film projects have professional educators. These people are coaches and principals saying, I, this is the paranormal stuff I saw in Raider Jim. It, it is a big deal to have someone put their face and their real name and to talk about this stuff. See, we believe in this stuff. For the most part, some of you guys just like the show because it's entertaining, but I don't have a problem talking about it, right? I believe in this stuff, but you got to understand, like, a lot of people don't, and a lot of people will, will straight up laugh in your face if you talk about you believe in ghosts or aliens or stuff like that. So I always give a big, you know, tip of the hat to people who, you know, who are talking about this stuff. And in this first little documentary, we have an interview with the former principal, Dale Case, and he has he goes, listen, when this all started, I didn't know anything about ghosts. Well, he goes, apparently, obviously I watched Casper and stuff like that, but I didn't know that there was any story about Raider Jim being haunted. It seems like there was a code of silence to kind of keep this stuff under wraps, right? A lot of schools don't want it getting out there that they're haunted. One, because it causes chaos, right? The students are constantly going to be trying to break into the gym. But two, it's unprofessional. It's unprofessional. I don't think so. I think it's totally cool. I think it's totally awesome. I went to Andrew's Pizza the other day to buy some pizza, and I was talking to my friend Abby about, is this place haunted? And half the staff said, yeah, there's a ghost named Tabitha here, and I've had this experience, and da-da-da-da-da. I think that's awesome. But a lot of times, you know, I don't find out the superintendent wants all this stuff out there. Dale Case, the former principal, says, uh, I, when I was working there, I was given a task to paint the basketball floor, to like fix up the paint, all the designs. He goes, I was there late one night, and I heard somebody walking through the gym. And I was the only one there. And he goes, the walking would start in one corner of the room, and it would actually walk very slowly, but it would walk past me. Like, it would walk diagonally, and he goes, I would hear the footsteps. I looked up, there's nothing there. It walked past me. He goes, I did not know anything about the place being haunted. I thought it was super weird. Whatever. Like, I still got a job to do. I still got to paint this stuff. And then he talks about later on, like, at this point, he now knows of the ghost stories. He's been there for a while. He's painting a room underneath the bleachers. He's in this area, and it's spooky. Right. To be in a place all alone. School. Talk about liminal spaces. Schools are very spooky to be in after hours. Just long hallways and then doors hiding stuff behind each door on both sides of you. He's painting this room underneath the bleachers and he hears somebody. He said, first off, he goes, I left the lights on all over the building and I left the doors open. And he goes, the reason why I did that was I didn't want anyone sneaking up on me. <laughs> he was so scared already. He goes, I didn't want to be working and then a door unlock and I turn around and freak out. He goes, I left all the lights on and the doors open so people would know I was there and people wouldn't just sneak up behind me or I wouldn't hear some strange noise. He goes, I'm painting this room underneath the bleachers. And he hears someone walk up the bleachers. And again, he goes, I was thinking one of the coaches showed up, right? This seems to be a busy area. You have all these offices. You have the weight room over here as well. I hear someone walk up the bleachers. I go out. I hear someone walk up the bleachers. I go out. There's no one there. He's like, whatever. He goes, I actually think there could be some explanation for this. He keeps hearing about every five minutes someone walking up the bleachers. 
So eventually he's like, you know what? There has to be a reasonable explanation for this. It has to be. So he walks out and he goes, I stood there for 10 minutes. He goes, I figured if it was a natural thing, it's going on this five minute rhythm. If it's an air conditioner starting or something like that, I'm just going to stand out here until it does it again. And when I'm looking there and there's clearly nothing there, then I will know that it was, and I hear the air conditioner kick on or something like that. He said, um, then I'll know what was causing it. And he said, I stood there for about 10 minutes and nothing. There was no noise. It did not repeat itself on its five minute interval. And then he goes, I was like, whatever. And he walks into the room and he starts working again. And he all of a sudden hears, bam, 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 bam. And he goes every single time before it sounded like someone was walking up the bleachers. He said, now, it sounded like someone was stomping up the bleachers, was literally stepping on each bleacher as hard as they could. He goes, I got the impression I wasn't wanted there. I got the impression it was time to leave. I left. I was done. And then we have a we have two of the coaches, two of the coaches, Coach Barry Carlton talked about they heard weights. It sounded like weights were being worked in the weight room and then like dropping to the floor. And he went in and checked. There was nobody there. He had stories of sounds like that. Coach Vicki Davis same thing, she'd hear weights clanking together. You'd look in the room. Because, see, they would be there when there weren't supposed to be students there. So, and they, these were during the day. They weren't there super late at night. They would be there at different times of the day, and they'd hear these noises, and they'd be like, oh, is someone here? They'd look in there, there'd be nobody there. So you would have, and all of these noises seem to be situated around Raider Hall. But that's all in the original documentary, and it's these guys did such a fantastic job. It's funny, when I started watching it, there's like this... Ooh, there's like this ghostly sound effect or like the sound effect of wind that's laid underneath the entire first 16 minute documentary. And at first I was like, oh, but by the end of it, I was actually getting creeped out. Like that sound effect, just having that constant actually got to me. It was actually, I was like, it's been a long time. You know, I used to watch a lot of the ghost shows on Netflix, like A Haunting and Ghost Adventurers and stuff. Or the, not Ghost Adventurers so much, but the ones that did the reenactments, like A Haunting and stuff like that. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries, they used to really creep me out. It's been a long time since I've been creeped out by just watching something like this. But by the end of it, I was, and they were just talking about sounds and stuff like that. No, I heard someone in the weight room and stuff like that. Very, very well put together documentary, but then the one they just released recently is from a former student, or a former student's being profiled in this new update to this documentary. So there's this guy who used to go to Nettleton High School named Jim Moose. This is his nickname, Jim Moose Brown. Apparently, he's a very successful uh, musician, singer-songwriter. He worked with all of these stuff. He's usually going on tour. Some of you guys may know his name. I was unfamiliar with it. I don't listen to country music, but Jim Moose Brown. You're like, Jason, that's like, the for all I know, this is the Michael Jackson of country music. I'm like so ignorant because I don't know who this guy is. But anyway, seems like a nice dude. He saw the first documentary. Apparently, he saw the first documentary and he got in touch with Nettleton High School and was like, you guys got to hear my story. You guys have to hear this. Like, this is so insane. And again, he goes, when this happened, I had no idea about the reputation that the gym was haunted. People were not talking about it. He goes, this took place back in the year 1980, 1981. He said it was between 9, 9.30 at night. He goes, me and two of my friends, we broke into the gym at night. The reason why was because I guess they had these mini trampolines 
And it's something they would do during school, apparently, is they would jump on the trampolines and dunk. And they said, dude, let's do that. There's nothing else to do tonight. Let's go to this high school. Let's go to our high school. Let's break into Raider Gym. And we will do this. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, you would do it for, what, 10 minutes and get bored? But apparently, there's really nothing to do in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They go, they get these mini trampolines. Boing, boing. And they're dunking the ball. And he says, the, the way we got in, we got in through the back door. We actually made it to the door when it locked behind us. All the other doors in the building were locked, though. There was no other staff there or anything. And he goes, we left the lights off so we didn't get caught. Again, <laughs> he did not know the place was haunted when he was doing this. They left the lights off so they wouldn't get caught. And they're in there. They're goofing off, jumping around on these trampolines. And he says, I'm sitting there. I'm kind of separated from the other guys. And I'm standing there. And I see movement out of the corner of my eye. And he goes, and I turn and I look, and I see a girl in the gym. And he goes, she was this very pretty blonde girl walking through the darkness. I'm just staring at her. He said, she never looked at me. She was just walking very slowly. She was wearing a long white dress. He described it as an old-fashioned dress. Kind of went all the way down to the ground. And he goes, she's walking through the gymnasium, like near the entrance of the gym. And then she walks by this concession stand area. And he kind of loses view of her for a while as she's walking behind this concession stand. And then he sees her again walking. Now she's walking down this hallway and she's entering the gym again. And she just kind of walks. And then turns and then walks out of sight. So she doesn't make like a straight line. It's like this weird, from what I can understand, like the, the layout of the place, it's kind of like this weird kind of path. And he goes, I'm watching her. And then once she walks completely out of sight and I can't see her anymore, I call my friends over and I was like, dude, someone's in here. Like we, we're going to get found out. There's a girl in here. And they're like, there's nobody else in here. He goes, no, I clearly saw someone else in here. And they went and they actually double-checked the doors. All the doors were locked, except for the one that they came in through, and no one else came through that door. And he goes, I didn't know the place was haunted at all, and and I thought, you know, we're going to get caught, we better leave, because we'd get in a lot of trouble for breaking into the gym. But he said it terrified him as well. There's something so unsettling about what he saw. In his, what he was physically seeing was a physical female form it was this woman this young girl walking by he wasn't thinking that's a ghost but as his reptile brain is processing the information run jim get out of here and he left and he goes i got home and i started thinking about it and it just disturbed me it was disturbing now again if you're breaking into a location you're on the lookout for like security guards or dogs or stuff like that and if you see a security guard and you almost get caught it's not a deeply disturbing troubling feeling right you got away with it but he started to process and he goes i there's something terrifying about that it wasn't just a girl but again he didn't know anything about these ghost stories and it's possible that he didn't know anything about these ghost stories until he watched that documentary that came out in 2013 he goes oh my god like, that place was haunted? That place where I saw a girl in old clothing walking by late at night when there was no one else in? That was haunted? That must have been a ghost. Fascinating story. Again, we just have, like, j just alone, like, the ghost sightings. 
creepy. And the fact that people are willing to put their reputations on the line, not Moose. I mean, Moose is a, a successful musician. It's not like no one's going to be like, you can't work on our new album. You believe in ghosts. But when you have people who work for the school in the education industry and they're putting their face out and they actually say in the documentary, there's a lot of people who had stories too, but they would not appear on camera. And that's pretty normal. That's pretty normal, right? Because people get laughed at because of this. But you have these people, you have these two coaches who might still work there. I'm not for sure. And you have the former principal who still has to get jobs, right? You have people willing to go and put their reputations on the line to talk about this phenomenon. That in and of itself is interesting. Then the idea of the tree, of the leaves appearing out of nowhere, falling. I find that very, very intriguing. And what I think is so creepy about this story is the school seems to be covering it up for the most part. Yeah, we have these documentaries, but you have decades of people going here who probably knew nothing about this phenomenon. Is that nobody knows what the origin is. So it's not just the story of a ghost who, from placing the pieces together, was probably brutally murdered, right? This young girl who's screaming in the darkness, was probably murdered here long before the school was even built. And nobody knows who it is. Her cries went unanswered and she was slaughtered on that spot. And nobody remembers her name. So what are the secrets of this gymnasium? Long before it was built, was there once a tree there? Or on a warm autumn day, a young girl was brutally murdered? And now her cries for help, her pleads for mercy, echo throughout time. Does this gymnasium hold a curse? A dark portal to a world that the living never venture into? Is the gym infused with dark paranormal energy? The story of Raider Jim is a tragic one. Because not only do we have the spirit of a young girl who's trapped between the world of the living and the dead, not only do we have the spirit of a murder victim trapped inside this structure, not only do we have the screams of a teenage girl echoing through the darkness, we don't even know her name. The lost soul of a forgotten victim of a brutal crime. But no one will ever forget the screams they hear coming from the darkness inside Raider Jim. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.